doesn't function without that person. And um, Christina left to also study at Life Pacific uh, this fall. And we're at that church right now. We're wondering, what the heck do we do? If we <laughs> I don't know if Yulia is always calling you probably and saying, what do you do about that? And how do we do this? And um, but, but she has always been an amazing blessing and ministered um, with young adults and, uh, and worship. Um, just everything that had to be done, she was like making it happen. But I want you to share a little bit about um, your perspective of what God's doing in Russia and then beyond if there's something more you want to share. Now, like Steve said, oh, hi, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Um, like Steve said, uh, our vision is to plant churches, and young people have to be involved. You know, young people know like what's what's going on. You know, no, no, like um, new things. You know, how can we reach people? And this is part of what we started to do in Saint Petersburg specifically. Um, we started an internship, a full-time internship program, and Bible school for young people. Well, Bible school is also just for our whole church, um, and we've seen an amazing fruit of that. Uh, it's been already three years, I mean, since, yeah, three three years since we started the internship program. I mean, it sounds fancy, right? We started internship, but it really is, you know, like messy. Be why? Because it's work with people, and it's 24-7, and stuff comes out, and you learn, and you see them fall, you see them rise up, but that's beautiful, because, you know, we've seen lives change, and Yes, young people are rising up to the surface, and they, we see that there is a hunger stirring up, not only in our church, but across our city. We started to connect with different churches as well and have worship nights together and connect young people. And it truly is um, an answer to prayers that generations that have prayed over Russia know that. I've heard stories of people in America praying for Russia, and older generation in Russia praying for young people, and we see the fruit of prayers um, coming up right now in our generation. So that's, like, we can get glory to God for that daily. Um, but besides youth work in Russia, we also started to connect with Foursquare churches in Europe. Did you know that Foursquare is around the world? It's beautiful. It's absolutely amazing what God is doing across nations, and we have a privilege to live right by Europe. And did you know that Russia is also part of Europe, like, geographically? Um, so, yeah, we, we uh, started to connect with European churches, um, in the way that, you know, not only senior pastors, the big guys, come together and talk about big guy stuff, but also uh, youth leaders start to come together and dream, what can we do on our continent? How can we reach people in our countries? And it's amazing that, you know, there's so many different countries in Europe, but problems that we face are quite similar. Um, it's very different from American church here uh, in Russia, in Europe, and you know, in people... Uh, sometimes think that uh, church like this is a sect uh, because it's not Catholic or it's not Orthodox or, you know, it's not modern anymore to go to church. But there's also um, a hunger, you know, to believe in something, believe in someone. And so young people right now having this hunger and thirst uh, to reach their generation, their friends. And actually last three years we started to form uh, European camps. Now it's a conference that's happening every year in some European countries. It's really cool. Um, but people from all over Europe, from First Church Churches, coming together for four days to worship, pray, and fellowship together and dream together you know, and, and pray for our countries and believe for miracles and support each other. 
you know, now, like, we have friends from, like, 20 different countries, and it's amazing, and I think that's, that's what heaven is going to look like. Now, many nations, many countries with one heart, living in one God, and it's beautiful. And so this is what's happening right now in our family, our church, you know, across, across the world. So I encourage you to pray for that, to pray for young people, because, you know, they will eventually, you know, take some of your guys's places and keep moving church forward and so your prayer matters so pray for europe pray for russia pray for what's happening right now pray for steve because he needs a lot of prayer there's a lot of on his shoulders and his family but we're really blessed to have them as missionaries they're blessing my family a lot my i know that my dad would not have made it without steve and his family so pray for them and thank you It's super cool to be hanging out with Christina, too. So, um, yeah, so praise God, right? I mean, God really is doing some significant things. It is funny. Our, the closest four-square church to us in St. Petersburg is actually not another church in Russia. Um, the nearest church to us in Russia is about a three-hour plane flight. Um, the closest church to us is actually in Estonia, and we can um, fly there in less than 45 minutes. So it's like, it's interesting how... Um, how that works out. But yeah, God really is doing great things. I have the privilege of um, directing this conference that Christine is talking about. And uh, this coming year, uh, it's next February, it's in Rome. Um, we're praying for 25 different countries to be represented and 200 young people to be there. And so, yeah, please pray that this happens. Really, we want to see God um, start a movement of young people reaching um, their countries, Europeans reaching Europeans, right? And, um, and, and Russians reaching Russians. If you're going to um, reach a nation, you have to reach the young people of that nation. Um, there are definitely people my age and older doing great things already, but we have to keep passing that down unto the next generations. And so that's one of the things that we are really being intentional about. Um, so we're spending a lot of time with young people um, in Russia. Actually, I'm the young adult director at our church and um, helping to invest in in that generation, building up disciples. So here's uh, two stories I want to tell you. One is uh, this next girl. Her name is Tanya. And uh, Tanya uh, moved from uh, a little town in the Euro region of, of Russia to our city in St. Petersburg um, to be one of the first interns that we had. And uh, Christina was the director of the internship at the time. And, and when she came to us, she was, she's a pastor's kid. But she's really, like, shy and um, kind of, uh, like, one of the things that we do is, is uh, teach English um, because we work with Europe, and it's a good skill to have. And, um, and she was just, like, refusing to learn English. She's like, I'm not going to do that, you know, and kind of a little bit rebellious, you know. Um, but it was really amazing to see how God took her life and, um, and began to just transform her from um, being a shy, timid um, person um, to now she is actually the leader of our uh, internship program and our youth ministry. She's, um, she's running things. She's making these things happen. In fact, we just had a meeting in Rome, and she came with me to Rome. And she was um, speaking to all these different leaders from Europe um, in English and, um, and really be, taking the, this, um, this role um, seriously and, and believing that God's going to use her to do incredible things. And so... Um, when I think about a person who's gone from, um, I mean, definitely a believer, but to being developed as a leader, 
um, I think of Tanya being one of those uh, highlights where um, God is raising up a generation. And she's one person. There's multitudes of people that are also um, in this process of becoming leaders. Um, I really do think about our, our young people in Russia, in our churches, and there are so many of them that are called to ministry and so many of them that are called to um, be a pastor, to be a missionary. And uh, it, it just it has to be like that because if we're going to see a church movement start, you have to have leaders. And so it's been cool to see people develop. And so uh, Tanya is uh, one of those people. The second person I just wanted to tell you a little bit about is uh, this girl named um, Luda. And Luda's from Siberia. And she's part of a church that uh, used to be part of uh, Foursquare. It was uh, when the Foursquare first formed, this church was part of Foursquare. But they, they pulled out, um, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, something like that. Um, the, the church that she's from, uh, very, it's a very controlling type of a church. And um, leadership is, is kind of a little bit oppressive. And, uh, you know, lots of times... Uh, our churches look more like our culture than kingdom culture. And, uh, and so this is one of the things that we're trying to work with uh, in Russia is, is how to help um, the leadership there um, become people who look like Jesus and serve like Jesus and empower people like Jesus. And um, Luda was in a church that it was, it was challenging in that way. And in fact, she was told, you know, um, she, she went to the pastor and said, you know, I just have this dream. I believe God's calling me to German-speaking people, and, and I, I just really, you know, I don't know what to do with this. And, and she was basically told, nope, that's not your calling. You need to serve here. There's, you're not going to be a missionary. Um, you're going you're gonna to just stay in this church and, and do what we tell you to do. I mean, it's, it's kind of that kind of an atmosphere, you know. And so she was growing up and just frustrated and, and, and didn't know what to do with this thing that God had spoken to her. But then it was, it was just being squashed. And, um, and so she ended up uh, moving to St. Petersburg and becoming part of our congregation there. And somebody for the first time was saying, wow, God called you to do that? How can we help make that happen? And it, it was just like this mind-blowing thing for her that's, that somebody um, believed her, uh, that somebody um, spoke to her life about that calling and that they were going to actually help her accomplish that calling. And so... Um, she, she started going through this transformation process as well and uh, began to actually see, she started studying German. She um, had a short trip to Switzerland, a German-speaking country, um, to, to just experience it. And then a door opened where she could go and be an intern at a three-month uh, program um, in a small town in Switzerland. And uh, she, she wanted to walk through that door because she knew that it wasn't only going to be um, an opportunity for her to learn, but for her to serve and for her to give and for to, her to actually live out this calling of being a missionary uh, to a German-speaking country. And so um, she went to get a visa, and she went to the visa place, and the woman at the counter just said, why are you wasting your money? And she's like, well, what do you mean? You know, it's like, it's impossible for you to get a visa. You're not going to get a visa. You're a single woman from Russia trying to get a three-month visa to Switzerland. You're not going to get it. Don't, you know, you're just, you're going to hand me that money, and that money's just going to fly out the window. And, but Luda just had faith, and she just believed that, you know what, God told me this is going to happen. 
And so I'm going to just, I'm going to waste that money. And so she applied, and lo and behold, <laughs> she got the visa, and she ended up going to Switzerland for three months and uh, served in a church, and God used her in some really significant ways um, while she was there. And, and it's just the beginning. Like, she really believes that she's going to someday um, be fully invested in a German-speaking uh, country. She's, so she's learning the language, and she's um, building relationship, and God's going to open that door for her. This picture that you're seeing is, it's a book, um, and it's, uh, the title of it is From Siberia um, to Switzerland. And it's kind of, she wrote her story about, you know, everything that she went through to go from where she was to end up where God had called her to be. And um, she's actually trying to sell this book. Um, it's in Russian, obviously, right now she's trying to sell this book in, um, in Russian. And eventually she wants to translate it into English and, and sell it in English. And she wants to use that money um, to raise funds to actually step into what God's called her to do. So I think that's a creative way to do uh, that. And who knows, maybe someday she'll be an amazing author that um, sells thousands, hundreds of thousands of books worldwide. So it'd be cool to see that happen. But, you know, if you met her, um, again, you would probably think, who's she, you know? You've met Tanya, who's she? If you met Christina, who's she? Who's Kayla? Who am I? You know, it's like we have this mentality about our, ourselves uh, and about each other that's just so low-minded. And um, again, I just want to remind you that God has a great call for you, that God has significant things for your life. In fact, God probably has spoken some things to you before, and maybe you've looked in the mirror and you thought, that's just too crazy, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, I don't, didn't get good enough grades, I don't know the Bible enough, you know, I'm too old, I'm too young, you know, whatever excuse that we, we throw at ourselves and, and we kind of diminish that calling that God's given to us, um, somehow we have to get to the point where we just break free from that. And we actually, you know, if I look in the mirror and I say, you can't do that, you know what, it's probably true. But who, you know who can? God. <laughs> you know who can? Who, you know who lives in me? Right? God lives in me. God can do all things. Um, God is faithful to his promises. And anything that he's spoken to you can become a reality if you just put your faith in him and take those steps to see that reality happen. Um, we've been there six years in Russia now. It's been an incredible six years. It's been full of challenges uh, it's been extremely lonely from time to time. It's been overbearing. Uh, we've been too busy. Uh, we've been too bored. Um, we've seen some people that we um, minister to walk away. We've seen some people excel. Um, we've seen all of these crazy things happen. Um, sometimes we've seen nothing happen at all. And, um, but through it all, the thing that um, sticks out to me is that one thing matters. Right? And that one thing is that um, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, last year, I was, uh, I was praying for these seven things. And um, I was just, I got to the point where I'm just, okay, I, if, if God spoke some things to me and I believe it's true, you know, what am I doing about that? Well, I'm going to start praying for these things and become a reality. And so I started praying for my marriage. Um, number one, I prayed for my kids. Number two, I prayed for our finances. Number three, um, I prayed that, um, that there were some bad habits that I had, that I, I got rid of them and I would, you know, replace them with good habits. Uh, number four, I prayed that, that we would be effective in ministry, that, that everything that we put our hands to uh, would bear fruit. Uh, number five, I prayed that, 
um, that when I prayed for somebody, something would actually happen. Doesn't that sound cool? Instead of like these prayers, like, okay, God, if you want to do it, that's awesome. You know, but, but to pray and to see somebody healed, you know, that, that there would be power flowing through me, number six. And then number seven was that I would learn Russian. And, um, and so I just every single day committed, I'm praying for these things. And I really saw God do some significant things in my life during that year. And um, I, I began to see um, much fruit happen. Um, in fact, now I have some meetings only in Russian. I mean, that was, that's like the miracle of miracles. Um, and so God really answered those prayers. And at the beginning of this year, I, I, was, uh, I like to take a couple days and just say, okay, God, what should I pray for this year, you know? And uh, so I, I went away and I had a little retreat. And um, I really felt like God say, you know, what you prayed for, that was nice. That was good. But there's actually only one thing you need. I want you to pray for one thing. And um, that verse came to my brain, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And, and I just knew that the Lord was saying, you know what, I want you to focus on this year is your relationship with me. And just pray about connecting with me and, 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 and knowing me and being intimate with me and, and hearing my voice and, and being led by me and being empowered by me and being comforted by me and, and being cared for by me. And, and like this is where your life is. And, and nothing else actually matters. And sometimes I think what we do is we use God as a means to an end. It's like we're praying for this to God, but we actually just want this thing. And then God was reminding me, you know, forget about the thing. <laughs> forget about all that stuff. There is one thing, and I am that thing. Come to me. And, and you know what? All that other stuff, I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to guide you into that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you where you need to lead. I'm going to bring the fruitfulness that I desire. Um, from your life, but, but your job, your responsibility is to just come to me. And so after six years of being a missionary, I finally figured it out, you know, it's like there's one thing I need, you know, and, um, and so I'm trying with all my heart and soul every day to connect with him in just a meaningful, meaningful way. And it's so easy, right? Life is super busy. Um, you get super distracted. Uh, it's easy to just look to the left, look to the right, and, and forget to just stop and be with him. But I'm encouraging you today, you know, re-figure that out. Uh, Re-evaluate um, that. Uh, and re-commit yourself um, to just getting with him every single day. Hearing his voice and just doing what he says. It's like that simple stuff. And the fruit that you're believing for will become a reality. The dream that he has for you will happen. His promises will um, be um, will be a reality in your life. So I'm just praying that for you, Walter. You know, now I know why I wanted to share just a couple. I just want to share a couple of verses today, kind of just tag on.
Right. My wife said, there I am. I'm just loud. Let's start over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. Read this in the middle of the service. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, here we read it again, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, everybody say the word with me, pray. The miracle of the harvest that God sees must begin with us praying. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, I believe the apostle Paul says, pray without what? Ceasing. Now, most of you have a smartphone. Many of you have the, every notification turned on. Beep, 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 all day long, right? Beep, beep. I mean, you don't want to miss out on somebody's breakfast that they posted so that you can see their eggs and the milk that they did. We stay in tune with everything now, every news, everything that's said out there, right? Beep, 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 everything's beeping to stay in touch. Do we do that with our prayer life? The Apostle Paul says, pray without ceasing. Steve just mentioned one of the things this year, the the, the prayer, taking time, it's, it's a focus of ours that we pray because the miracle then will come after that time of prayer. God sees helpless sheep, helpless people, and a plentiful harvest, but he needs people to pray. You know, we're not just talking about Russia. We're talking about strangers and neighbors and family members uh, people, cultures that are here, then other nations. He sees people. He doesn't see government officials as in his way. Jesus ministered under Caesar, Herod, and Pilate. Did it, did it ever disrupt? You know, I just can't do anything because, you know, there's this guy, Herod. Did it keep him away? Didn't keep him away. His heart was always for the people. Going after the people, having the heart. So the harvest is really the act of gathering people into his kingdom. And what I like to say, it's his field, it's his tools, it's his harvest. He just needs the workers to bring in his harvest. But he needs us to pray. And when we pray and he says something, he needs us to say Yes, and we like saying yeah. Well, some of us like to say no, right? But he needs people to say yes. Jesus' focus was people. He puts us all the time in places with people. But are we prayed up, listening, and attuned that when he speaks to our heart, that we're ready to say and talk to somebody, even if we don't know everything we're going to say, we're going to wait to say it because he's going to give us the boldness to say it. Let me uh, share a story and then I'll close with Acts 1.8. Um, when we were one of the churches we were pastoring in, I'll never forget this. This lady came up to Michelle and I at the end of the service and she wanted prayer and she let us know that she was pregnant. 
And so that immediately turned us to, oh, you know, how exciting. She immediately began to cry. There were some complications happening in the pregnancy, and she wanted to continue anyways, but her husband was urging her to have an abortion. And she was just wrecked about it. And so we, we prayed with her, we encouraged her, um, you know, stay in the fight, let's believe God over this, this little child. She disappeared from church for a couple months. We tried to reach out and call and go by the house, and we just felt like, you know, the, the worst had happened, and she probably felt bad about even coming back. And, you know, that for a pastor, that's probably one of the, you know, the worst feelings. And I'll never forget the Sunday the family all came back into church. And you could tell that she was pregnant. You know, and I, I've always learned, I don't ever say anything to ladies because I did it one time when I asked somebody, hey, how far along are you? And she began to cry because she wasn't pregnant at all. That's the last time I say anything until they're actually holding a baby. I don't say anything anymore. So she came back in and she came and talked to us. And the doctor finally told her there was not a good report, but she was going to carry this baby. And sure enough, this baby, his name was James. He was born, stillborn. James did not breathe a breath. James never got to go to school, never got to look his mom and dad in the eye, never got to meet his brothers and sisters, didn't get to do some of the fun things we do, didn't get to get married, but at James's memorial service, church sat maybe 80, there was probably 150 people there. And uh, a good 30 or 40 or so or more accepted the Lord for the very first time. And at the end of the service, here's what hit me that I said. Here's a life that never breathed a breath on this side of heaven. But his life did more in his short little time than many people do in 90 some years. His life brought you here today to hear about who he got to meet when his eyes opened and it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And if James could say anything today, it would be, I, I want you to be here too. That little life that never breathed a breath made a statement that day in a church that it was about the people that came because of him. You know, I always think about that because uh, not that I need to do, it's the, the thing of having to do more. I've got to do this, I've got to do this, that, something. I've got to do this, I've got to do this. It's getting back to what is God saying to do? And the reason you find out what he says to do is because you take time and pray. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. I'm his witness. You're his witness. And I love how this verse says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I've always written it down in any of my Bibles. It will say Jerusalem, the city I live in. Judea, the county that I live in. Samaria, the cross-cultural places that I'll go. And to the ends of the earth, any nation. Here's Jesus' heart. He says the people are commissioned to go all throughout the world and to take this gospel. But they've got to first pray. And Jesus gave the mission of this to the church, his church, to you and to me. The power to be a witness. In fact, I think we need to all change our titles from Christian to missionary. How would that be? Look at your neighbor and say, hey, missionary, to Siberia. No, no, don't. 
What if we thought that way? I wonder what the thinking is to be a missionary. In, how would we involve ourselves in our cities differently if we were missionaries? The cultures that we have to learn. What if I change the title from pastor to missionary? Well, we're all missionaries. We've been sent on a mission. Some of you, your mission is in your city that you live in. Might be in your county. Might be cross-cultural. Some of you, your mission is probably a mission field around the world. But all of us are to remember that God doesn't rain down Bibles from heaven on all these nations. He doesn't commission angels to preach. He wants us to do it. And he wants our hearts in it. And he wants us to be people of prayer. Because he says in John 15, he says, you know, without me, you can do nothing. Bow your heads if you would. And I'm going to have Steve come up. And actually, Jules, you can come up too. I mean, we just always want to be effective at mission, you know. We don't want to just live in Russia. <laughs> um, we want to see people come to Christ, see people discipled, see people sent into their calling. And so um, that's our biggest prayer, that we would just be effective. Of course, you can always pray for our family. We need that all the time, too. That's what I was going to ask her. How can yeah. you, because you know the best, right? And it's probably the same as I've told my daughter. How can you pray for your She's shy. So I need to see dad in the headlock. And how can we pray for Russia? Pastors, pastors need help. Pastors need uh, support. Um, and also just like for, for this hunger to keep arising, the awareness of the need of God. Yeah. Stop and pray. Can you do that? Or shave your right hand if you would. The right hand. 
pray today, Lord, uh, over a family that said yes. They didn't just move in America, they moved around the world. And Father, you know every need, you know every desire of the heart. We thank you that, God, you are their provider, you are their strength. I thank you for uh, people that are called to strengthen them like Barnabas was to Paul to be an encouragement to them. Pastors, Lord, I thank you for the ministry with the young adults and the young people there, that you're stirring up their hearts for the gospel. And Lord, even as Steve prayed, the multiplication would take root and churches would just begin to flourish and plant. And that vision of 500, Father, that we would see come to pass because you said it, because we said yes, and because they are praying people. And we bless them today. In Jesus' name. Is there anyone else? Oh, uh, there's a card out there. But I think this is a couple things. Uh, our ushers will have two baskets to give. If you would like to give a love offering to them, there are envelopes I know in a seat. Yeah, so you have this card, you know, on the back you can just write your name, address, email address. Um, that much will get you like our newsletter that we send out. We don't send one out monthly, but like every three months on a good year, you know. Like, um, so you won't be inundated with emails. Um, but then also we're looking for partners, always looking for partners, um, because we are only on the mission field because people give. Um, Foursquare Missions doesn't fully support um, new missionaries, and so we had to raise all our own support. And, uh, you know, over the years, some people add, are added on, some people um, fall off um, because of different circumstances. Um, so this summer, actually, we have been, uh, we had a goal of raising an extra $1,000 a month because of some of the deficiency that we saw in our budget. And uh, so far, we've raised about $750, $800 of that $1,000, praise God. But we still have about $200 uh, and monthly sponsorship that we need. And so that would be just a great help if somebody felt like, yeah, we want to help you stay on the mission field and accomplish what God's called you to there. Um, partnering with us in that way would be an, an amazing blessing. So we know God has it, you know, so yeah. we're, we're confident. And part of it is we may never go to Russia, but and we may never minister in Russia, but we have an opportunity. So because giving allows that to take place and the Lord partners that. And I would never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. I remember a friend of mine. Are you saying that you're going to start sponsoring this? All right. I'm going to sign it right now. I'll let your daughter put the amount. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> um, friend of mine used to work for Billy Graham. And I remember it was a time where I felt like I, I couldn't support ministries that I wanted to. And I'll never forget him saying, because you know, Walter, you know the average gift that comes in a month to Billy Graham? And, you know, I'm thinking like that. He says $20 a month. So we always think in terms of too much and I can't do, but it's the part of what, what can I do? Do I not pull through that drive through once a week? Do I rally change so that I can help uh, with the 
gospel out. And it's just an opportunity to see what God can do and to, to be a blessing. Even though I never plant a church in Russia, but I'm going to partner with somebody that is. And you're doing this. And I'm a part of this. So, again, I would never ask you to do anything, but I would do uh, personally as well, too. Well, stand with me if you would. And I'm going to pray. Um, pray over all of these, uh, all over us before we go today. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. I pray we're stirred about your harvest. I pray, Father, that the people that we've been praying for, that you're sending laborers out amongst them. But Father, can we say today that we will be a people mindful to pray? It's that relationship and that communion that we have with you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right, if you need prayer today, please come up. If you would like to come up.